Question 30 of Summa Theologica Prima Secundae, Treatise on the Passions. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Prima Secundae, Treatise on the Passions, by St. Thomas Aquinas, translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 30. Of Concupiscence, in four articles. We have now to consider concupiscence, under which head there are four points of inquiry. First, whether concupiscence is in the sensitive appetite only. Second, whether concupiscence is a specific passion. Third, whether some concupiscences are natural and some not natural. Fourth, whether concupiscence is infinite. First article, whether concupiscence is in the sensitive appetite only. Objection 1. It would seem that concupiscence is not only in the sensitive appetite. For there is a concupiscence of wisdom, according to Wisdom 621, the concupiscence of wisdom bringeth to the everlasting kingdom. Note, the Douay version translates concupiscence as desire. But the sensitive appetite can have no tendency to wisdom. Therefore, concupiscence is not only in the sensitive appetite. Objection to. Further, the desire for the commandments of God is not in the sensitive appetite. In fact, the Apostle says in Romans 7.18, There dwelleth not in me, that is to say, in my flesh, that which is good. But desire for God's commandments is an act of concupiscence, according to Psalm 118.20. My soul hath coveted, concupivit, to long for thy justifications. Therefore, concupiscence is not only in the sensitive appetite. Objection 3. Further, to each power, its proper good is a matter of concupiscence. Therefore, concupiscence is in each power of the soul, and not only in the sensitive appetite. On the contrary, Damascene says in On the True Faith 2.12 that the irrational part, which is subject and amenable to reason, is divided into the faculties of concupiscence and anger. This is the irrational part of the soul, passive and appetitive. Therefore concupiscence is in the sensitive appetite. I answer that, as the philosopher says in Rhetoric one eleven. concupiscence is a craving for that which is pleasant. Now pleasure is twofold, as we shall state later on in question 31, articles 3 and 4. One is in the intelligible good, which is the good of reason. The other is in good perceptible to the senses. 
the former pleasure seems to belong to the soul alone whereas the latter belongs to both soul and body because the sense is a power seated in a bodily organ wherefore sensible good is the good of the whole composite now concupiscence seems to be the craving for this latter pleasure since it belongs to the united soul and body as is implied by the latin word concupiscentia therefore properly speaking concupiscence is in the sensitive appetite and in the concupiscible faculty which takes its name from it reply to objection one the craving for wisdom or other spiritual goods is sometimes called concupiscence either by reason of a certain likeness or on account of the craving in the higher part of the soul being so vehement that it overflows into the lower appetite so that the latter also in its way tends to the spiritual good following the lead of the higher appetite the result being that the body itself renders its service in spiritual matters according to psalm eighty three three my heart and my flesh have rejoiced in the living god reply to objection to properly speaking desire may be not only in the lower but also in the higher appetite for it does not imply fellowship in craving as concupiscence does but simply movement towards the thing desired reply to objection three it belongs to each power of the soul to seek its proper good by the natural appetite which does not arise from apprehension but the craving for good by the animal appetite which arises from apprehension belongs to the appetitive power alone and to crave a thing under the aspect of something delightful to the senses wherein concupiscence properly consists belongs to the concupiscible power second article whether concupiscence is a specific passion objection one it would seem that concupiscence is not a specific passion of the concupiscible power for passions are distinguished by their objects but the object of the concupiscible power is something delightful to the senses and this is also the object of concupiscence as the philosopher declares in rhetoric one eleven therefore concupiscence is not a specific passion of the concupiscible faculty objection to further augustine says in his eighty three questions question thirty three that covetousness is the love of transitory things so that it is not distinct from love but all specific passions are distinct from one another therefore concupiscence is not a specific passion in the concupiscible faculty objection three further to each passion of the concupiscible faculty there is a specific contrary passion in that faculty as stated above question twenty three article four but no specific passion of the concupiscible faculty is contrary to concupiscence for damascene says in on the true faith two twelve that 
good when desired gives rise to concupiscence when present it gives joy in like manner the evil we apprehend makes us fear the evil that is present makes us sad from which we gather that as sadness is contrary to joy so fear contrary to concupiscence but fear is not in the concupiscible but in the irascible part therefore concupiscence is not a specific passion of the concupiscible faculty on the contrary concupiscence is caused by love and tends to pleasure both of which are passions of the concupiscible faculty hence it is distinguished from the other concupiscible passions as a specific passion i answer that as stated above in article one as well in question twenty three article one the good which gives pleasure to the senses is the common object of the concupiscible faculty hence the various concupiscible passions are distinguished according to the differences of that good now the diversity of this object can arise from the very nature of the object or from a diversity in its active power the diversity derived from the nature of the active object causes a material difference of passions while the difference in regard to its active power causes a formal diversity of passions in respect of which the passions differ specifically now the nature of the motive power of the end or of the good differs according as it is really present or absent because according as it is present it causes the faculty f to find rest in it whereas according as it is absent it causes the faculty to be moved towards it wherefore the object of sensible pleasure causes love inasmuch as so to speak it attunes and conforms the appetite to itself it causes concupiscence inasmuch as when absent it draws the faculty to itself and it causes pleasure inasmuch as when present it makes the faculty to find rest in itself accordingly concupiscence is a passion differing in species from both love and pleasure but concupiscences of this or that pleasurable object differ in number reply to objection one pleasurable good is the object of concupiscence but not absolutely but considered as absent just as the sensible considered as past is the object of memory for these particular conditions diversify the species of passions and even of the powers of the sensitive part which regards particular things reply to objection to in the passage quoted we have causal not essential predication for covetousness is not essentially love but an effect of love we may also say that augustine is taking covetousness in a wide sense for any movement of the appetite in respect of good to come so that it includes both love and hope 
Reply to Objection 3. The passion which is directed contrary to concupiscence has no name, and stands in relation to evil, as concupiscence in regard to good. But since, like fear, it regards the absent evil. Sometimes it goes by the name of fear, just as hope is sometimes called covetousness. For a small good or evil is reckoned as though it were nothing, and consequently every movement of the appetite in future good or evil is called hope or fear, which regard good and evil as arduous. Third article. Whether some concupiscences are natural and some not natural. Objection 1. It would seem that concupiscences are not divided into those which are natural and those which are not. For concupiscence belongs to the animal appetite as stated above in Article 1, Third Reply. But the natural appetite is contrasted with the animal appetite. Therefore, no concupiscence is natural. Objection 2. Further, Material differences make no difference of species, but only numerical difference, a difference which is outside the purview of science. But if some concupiscences are natural and some not, they differ not only in respect of their objects, which amounts to a material difference, which is one of number only. Therefore, concupiscences should not be divided into those that are natural and those that are not. Objection 3. Further, reason is contrasted with nature, as stated in Physics 2.5. If, therefore, in man there is a concupiscence which is not natural, it must needs be rational. But this is impossible, because since concupiscence is a passion, it belongs to the sensitive appetite and not to the will, which is the rational appetite. Therefore, there are no concupiscences which are not natural. On the contrary, the philosopher, both in Ethics 3.11 and Rhetoric 1.11, distinguishes natural concupiscences from those that are not natural. I answer that, as stated above in Article 1, concupiscence is the craving for pleasurable good. Now a thing is pleasurable in two ways. First, because it is suitable to the nature of the animal, for example, food, drink, and the like, and concupiscence of such pleasurable things is said to be natural. Secondly, a thing is pleasurable because it is apprehended as suitable to the animal, as when one apprehends something as good and suitable, and consequently takes pleasure in it. And concupiscence of such pleasurable things is said to be not natural, and is more wont to be called cupidity. Accordingly, concupiscences of the first kind, or natural concupiscences, are common to men and other animals because to both there is something suitable and pleasurable according to nature. And in these all men agree. Wherefore the philosopher, in Ethics 3.11, calls them 
common and necessary but concupiscences of the second kind are proper to men to whom it is proper to devise something as good and suitable beyond that which nature requires hence the philosopher says in rhetoric one eleven that the former concupiscences are irrational but the latter rational and because different men reason differently therefore the latter are also called in ethics three eleven peculiar and acquired that is in addition to those that are natural reply to objection one the same thing that is the object of the natural appetite may be the object of the animal appetite once it is apprehended and in this way there may be an animal concupiscence of food drink and the like which are objects of the natural appetite reply to objection two the difference between those concupiscences that are natural and those that are not is not merely a material difference it is also in a way formal in so far as it arises from a difference in the active object now the object of the appetite is the apprehended good hence diversity of the active object follows from diversity of apprehension according as a thing is apprehended as suitable either by absolute apprehension whence arise natural concupiscences which the philosopher calls irrational rhetoric one eleven or by apprehension together with deliberation whence arise those concupiscences that are not natural and which for this very reason the philosopher calls rational in rhetoric one eleven reply to objection three man has not only universal reason pertaining to the intellectual faculty but also particular reason pertaining to the sensitive faculty as stated in the first part question seventy eight article four question eighty one article three so that even rational concupiscence may pertain to the sensitive appetite moreover the sensitive appetite can be moved by the universal reason also through the medium of the particular imagination fourth article whether concupiscence is infinite objection one it would seem that concupiscence is not infinite for the object of concupiscence is good which has the aspect of an end but where there is infinity there is no end according to metaphysics two two therefore concupiscence cannot be infinite objection to further concupiscence is of the fitting good since it proceeds from love but the infinite is without proportion and therefore unfitting therefore concupiscence cannot be infinite Objection 3. Further, there is no passing through infinite things, and thus there is no reaching an ultimate term in them. 
but the subject of concupiscence is not delighted until he attain the ultimate term. Therefore, if concupiscence were infinite, no delight would ever ensue. On the contrary, the philosopher says in Politics one three that since concupiscence is infinite, men desire an infinite number of things. I answer that, as stated above in Article 3, concupiscence is twofold. One is natural, the other is not natural. Natural concupiscence cannot be actually infinite, because it is of that which nature requires and nature ever tends to something finite and fixed. Hence man never desires infinite meat or infinite drink. But just as in nature there is potential successive infinity, so can this kind of concupiscence be infinite successively, so that, for instance, after getting food, a man may desire food yet again, and so of anything else that nature requires because these bodily goods, when obtained, do not last forever, but fail. Hence our Lord said to the woman of Samaria, John 4.13, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But non-natural concupiscence is altogether infinite, because, as stated above in Article 3, it follows from the reason and it belongs to the reason to proceed to infinity. Hence he that desires riches may desire to be rich, not up to a certain limit, but to be simply as rich as possible. Another reason may be assigned, according to the philosopher in Politics one three, why a certain concupiscence is finite and another infinite. Because concupiscence of the end is always infinite, since the end is desired for its own sake, for example, health, and thus greater health is more desired, and so on to infinity. Just as, if a white thing of itself dilates the sight, that which is more white dilates it yet more. On the other hand, concupiscence of the means is not infinite, because the concupiscence of the means is in suitable proportion to the end. Consequently, those who place their end in riches have an infinite concupiscence of riches, whereas those who desire riches on account of the necessities of life desire a finite measure of riches, sufficient for the necessities of life, as the philosopher says in Politics one three. The same applies to the concupiscence of any other things. Reply to Objection 1. Every object of concupiscence is taken as something finite, either because it is finite in reality, as being once actually desired, or because it is finite as apprehended. For it cannot be apprehended as infinite, since the infinite is that from which, however much we may take, there always remains something to be taken according to Physics 3.6. Reply to Objection 2. The reason is possessed of infinite power, in a certain sense, 
insofar as it can be considered a thing infinitely, as appears in the addition of numbers and lines. Consequently, the infinite, taken in a certain way, is proportionate to reason. In fact, the universal which the reason apprehends is infinite in a sense, inasmuch as it contains potentially an infinite number of singulars. Reply to Objection 3. In order that a man be delighted, there is no need for him to realize all that he desires, for he delights in the realization of each object of his concupiscence. End of question 30. Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.